Our opening text is going to be found in Hosea chapter 4. Now, if you've been listening at all the last month, we've been going through the Word of God and seeing the state of where our nation is, our country, how rapidly it is falling away, spiraling down. I mean, it's like hyperspeed right now. And then looking at why it's happening. And then we believe that God is giving us as a church the preparation and the plan for what we are supposed to do in the midst of this. And I hope that's what you're listening to and you don't become part of the problem, but you become part of the answer. This is a glorious time for the church to stand up and be seen. The world is in chaos. The government's a mess. The Bible says there'll come a time where truth has fallen in the streets, and that's what's happened. Everybody's lying, lying upon lying upon lying, scandals, IRS sticking their nose into our business, on and on and on and on. Well, it doesn't catch God off guard, and it shouldn't catch His people off guard. But this morning's message is titled, Controversy. And we'll see in the Word of God in Hosea, God says, I have a controversy with you, with us, His church. So let's read it. Verse 1 says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. And here's why. Because there is no truth, no mercy, no knowledge of God in the land. A controversy. God says, I have a dispute. I have a strife. A quarrel. I want to pick a bone with you. There are issues throughout our land that God says... They are totally messing up all the people. And here's why. Because there's no truth anymore. There's no more mercy. And there's no knowledge of God in the land. This is his controversy with America and with the church of America. Look, it's obvious. I don't think I have to try to prove my point. But even in my lifetime alone, uh, when I was a youngster, you'd watch uh, shows like Leave it to Beaver. Uh, Father Knows Best. My Three Sons. I just read in the uh, paper the other day that uh, probably pretty soon, if not even this year, there's going to be full-blown nudity in regular TV. Uh, That's just the way it is. We've gone from that to this in just my lifetime, my lifetime alone. So the filth is getting worse, more bolder, more brash, and God even says without blush in their cheeks. Not even blushing about it, not even ashamed about it anymore. So God says, i got a controversy with this. I've got a problem, an issue. The idea of this uh, controversy is uh, it's kind of like a, a lawsuit where God is bringing a charge. God is the plaintiff, and Israel uh, is the defendant. It is, Judah, it is Jehovah versus Israel and Judah. God says, I am filing a lawsuit because there's no truth, no mercy, no knowledge of God in the land anymore. And look, when the people forsake knowledge of God, which is what our land has done, it's turned its back upon God, wants nothing to do with God, all the upper echelon, all the powers to be are running the exact opposite of God and the Word of God. And so when you do that, when you forsake the knowledge of God, soon truth and mercy are both gone. Because that's where truth and mercy comes from, from God. Truth must be rooted in something more than just a personal opinion. Well, I think abortion's okay. That's what they're calling now truth. It's in their own personal opinion. And it can't be. Mercy means going beyond self-interest. 
beyond self-interest. I wasn't planning on getting pregnant, but I'm going to love and take care of this. Mercy and truth has now fallen in the streets because there's no more knowledge of God. Proverbs 9.10 tells us, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This is what molded and shaped our declaration, our people, our founding fathers, was the fear of God. And the knowledge of the Holy One, the Bible says, is understanding. Oh, I understand that now. I understand abortion is wrong, that that's corrupt, that's the wrong way of thinking. We've lost that. We've lost that now. To the point now where they just finally arrested that one doctor, the abortion doctor, he would uh, do some type of abortion and a baby would come out alive on the table, then he'd kill it. They finally put him away, I think, if he doesn't get out again. And so we're going to look, how is all this stuff happening? Well, Hosea 4.2 tells us, by swearing, lying, killing, stealing, and committing adultery. They break out, blood touches blood. And this is where we are in this age. It's unbelievable. The ultimate result is bloodshed after bloodshed. Did you see the guy in London, the soldier in London, walking right in front of his, uh, uh, where he's uh, serving, hacked to death by a machete and a knife in broad daylight? Bloodshed, bloodshed. So in ancient Hebrew, this is telling us that literally blood deeds touches blood deed. That means apparently violent crimes have become so common that one seemed to immediately follow another and another and another. Sound familiar? Right here in America, I don't know how many murders there are in Chicago, daily, more than one a day. So now here's what's been happening. The beginning in Hosea 1-2 says, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea. The Lord said to Hosea, go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms, a prostitute, and a children of whoredoms, for the land has committed whoredom departing from the Lord. This was a holy prophet of God who spoke the word of God. And God spoke to him and said, I want you to marry a whore. Because he was using that as an object lesson. The people of God have mixed and mingled with the world. And he said, I want you to marry her because you're going to be a living picture example to the people of the land. So this is a vivid picture of how idolatry and the rejection of the Lord feels to God. When we are putting anything in front of the Lord, it hurts Him like unfaithfulness would hurt me if Ruth ran away on someone or ran away with something. It would be devastating. And God says, I want to paint a picture of that to the people. Because this is what's happening. Gomer and Hosea, go get married. And so God is saying, this is what's happened in the land. Go, uh, Hosea, a type of the church, the people of God, holiness, who know better, has gone now and married, gone to the altar and said, I do, I love the world. And now they have married. Hosea 2.5 says, For their mother, that would be like us, the church, the people, hath played the harlot. She that conceived them hath done shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers. Give me my bread and my water, my wool and my flax, my oil and my drink. I'm getting all this fun, all this stuff, all this money, all this wealth, all this pleasure. Give me my lovers. So Israel justified her harlotry because she received things from her lovers. 
wealth and money and fame. And she looked at all the good she seemed to get from her sin, and it seemed like a good deal. And Israel has made a grave mistake just like America today. America has done the same thing and has sold her soul for pleasure. Not even realizing, here's the grave mistake. Hosea 2.8 goes on and says, The Lord says to Israel and to us, For she did not know that I gave her the corn and the wine and the oil and multiplied her silver and gold, which they prepared for Baal. She's going, my lovers, my lovers. And God said, no, I'm the one still blessing. I'm the one still giving America its blessings and freedoms and wealth. I'm the one that's doing this. And she could not even hear the word of God anymore. Did not even understand it. And what God was giving her as blessings, she was preparing for Baal, a false god. Just like Hosea provided for Gomer, and she spent it on her adulterous lovers. Perfect example of what's going on. Now here's something else that's going on. Was it last week I told you there was like 2,000 something hundred uh, Christian radio stations and full-blown TV stations, full-blown productions, making all those great movies and stuff? Okay, well, uh, 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 Amos says in 8.11, says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but hearing the words of the Lord. If you read that and quickly like I did for a few years, I would think that was a famine of not, not preaching the word of God. But that's not what that's saying. The word of God is going everywhere across the land today. The famine is in what? Hearing it. We don't want to hear it. God says there's coming a day when the people will not hear the word of God. God has lost, lost its power. The word has not lost its power. We don't want to hear it. We don't. And this is the dispensation that we're in. And that word hearing means to hear, listen, or to obey. People don't want to hear the word of God anymore. You and I are living in that dispensation that day. This condition describes is it's like being um, of death to the words of Jehovah, not being able to hear them. It's not a case of God withholding His revelation from us. It's not that at all. We have Bibles all over the place. The Word's going out all over the place. But it's that people in such a state, they have fallen so far. My lovers, my lovers, they don't even hear the Word of God anymore. Nor want to. So that's what situation we're in. Seriously, if the preacher's doing his job, it's the problem's not with the preacher, it's with the hearer. It is, and I'm not talking about us, our preachers are all glorious and wonderful. No, we're a mess too, I understand that. But this is what's going on, this is why God, I got a problem with you. I have a controversy with you. Where's my law? Where's my goodness? Where's my teachings? Why aren't they going across the, the land? Because that is what made America great in the beginning, was the Word of God. So now... This is where our nation is today. Now we want to look and see um, where is the church? What has the church been doing? What has the church done? Where are we right now as a church, as a people? Well, we go to Ruth 1.1 to see this. It says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, judges would rule, remember Samson and Deborah and all these judges, that there was a famine in the land. 
And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Okay, we can't miss this. A certain man of Bethlehem. In the days, it says, a man from Bethlehem, Bethlehem. That should ring a bell, that place. A heritage there. Left the land of Israel to sojourn in the country of Moab because of famine. Bethlehem was a rich agricultural area. The city uh, was known as the house of bread. Bethlehem, where the living bread came from. Christ, Bethlehem. But times were tough, just like now. So he went to a pagan land of Moab. This is a man who decided the times are just too tough right here. Living in the land of God. And he decided to turn and go to a godless society. Moab. Do you understand where Moab came from? Moab came from Lot having an incest relationship with one of his daughters. And the Moabites came into existence. And Moab is a type of mixture. The godly and the ungodly mixing. And this father saying, you know, times are a little tough right here. I think we're going to go to the ungodly. And that's what our nation is doing now. Christians are turning back to the world. Remember, we are living in an age of doing what you want to do. In Deuteronomy, it tells us, we'll get to this place later, it tells us that there is a perpetual taking care of by God, even through hard times, if you stay put and obedient to God. But this guy did not. He decided to turn and go back to the world. Now this is the church. This is the type of the church. We are to be influencing the world. When the world goes crazy and goes deeper into sin, we should be standing stronger as a beacon that they should see and look at us and say, you know, maybe they got something. But the world, like this man here, has been turning to Moab, then became mixture and mixed that the people of the world can't tell the difference of the people of God. They drink, you drink. They cuss, you cuss. They gamble, you gamble. They divorce, you divorce. Mixture. Moab. And then Judges tells us a sad story. This is what's coming on here. You know, when people came over and saw the Statue of Liberty, they always knew that we were a Christian nation. Not a perfect Christian nation, but they knew that Christ was the center. That's gone now. That's absolutely gone. The Bible tells Jesus is the cornerstone. The cornerstone keeps everything up. We're removing the cornerstone. The more we're taking it out, the more we're taking it out, the building, the structure's going like this. And Judges confirms it in chapter 17, 6. It said, in these days that all this chaos is going on, there was no king in Israel. And that's what they want in the United States. No king, no Christ, no Christianity, no commandments, no Bible, nothing. Out with you. This is what's going on. And in those days there was no king in Israel. Look, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And then our president walks up to a podium one day and says, America is not a Christian nation anymore. And he's right. He's right. We have made the full turn. And now we're paying the price. So we're seeing where our church is. What the country 
has become what it is, and now we're looking at the churches we have mixed and became like the world. Proverbs 30, verse 12 says, There is a generation, and it's now. Listen to this. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. That's this generation. The church has been living in a land of mixture. Do you understand what the church is? I am. The church has been living in a land of mixture. We have mixed the pure, holy word of God with false doctrine, with filthy, uh, uh, filth from evil spirits, silliness, foolishness, nonsense, nonsense. We've mixed it for years. That almost the world doesn't even want to bother with us. Our voice has no weight to it. We're not influencing anybody. So God says, you know what? I'm taking you to court. I've got a problem with you. Amen. Ezekiel 22, 26 says, here's what's happened. Here's the pastors and you who are supposed to be priests also. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. No difference. No difference. None. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbath, and I, prof- I am profaned among them. And if you're sitting there going, you're in that part. You've fallen to it. You've succumbed to the, the spirit of the age. This is the Word of God. That's why we put it up on the screens and I'm not making something up and throwing things in there. So by dumbing down or mixing the Word of God, here's what's happened to a typical church-going American family. And that's us, because we're typical. We'd like to be peculiar, but I think we're typical. Here we go. Ruth 1-2, back to Ruth again. So remember, and the, and the man's name was Emelech, and the name of his wife is Naomi, okay, and the name of the two sons is Milon and Chilion. Emelech means, my king is God. You think, ooh, that guy's got something. My king is God, or like he has a, a heritage. You know, my mom and dad served God, grandma and grandma served God, he's got a heritage of serving God. A Bible knowledge of God. Maybe a church goer of God. He's the head of this typical American family home. Emelech. And he's saying, you know what, Naomi? Things are tough around here. Naomi means my delight, my pleasantness. Just give me a house and a white picket fence. Everything's wonderful. That's Naomi. And this is a church goer. And they try to make church. Try to at times. I call it the white picket fence syndrome with Naomi. My delight. Everything's... The Reds are winning. The Bengals are going to win. Just all that stuff. Okay. So Ruth won one again. So now it came to pass in those days when judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Hard times come upon this typical American we think Christian family. 
And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Maybe they sat down, had a little family meeting, and he said, uh, Oh, wife, yes, dear? I think we need to just move and go to Moab. Sojourn means temporarily. Not stay there. Just temporarily go here. I think we'll be able to do better here. Lot and Abraham having a discussion saying we got to separate. What did Lot do? Lot looked to the well-watered plains of where? Sodom and Gomorrah. And he made a rational decision and said, I think that's the place I want to go. We'll make more money there. We'll have more fun there, more pleasure there. We'll be safe there. A place of mixture. Amalek is saying to Naomi, who should have, wives, get some backbone when your husband's doing foolish stuff. Naomi should have stood up and said, are you nuts? Are you insane? You want to go to a land of mixture where sin runs rampant and God is a byproduct for a job? But she didn't. She didn't say a word. And the name of the man was Emelech in verse 2. The name of the wife was Naomi. The name of the two sons. We went through all that. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Now look, here's where God promises. You're going through hard times right now. You're about to run. You're looking at Sodom and Gomorrah where the places look like all the lights and all the glitter and everything's good. Deuteronomy tells you, and it shall come to pass if you shall hearken diligently unto my commandments, which I command you this day, to love the Lord your God, to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul, that I will give you the rain for your land. God said, you trust me, don't walk by sight, but walk by faith. Walk by faith. He said, I will give you rain for your land in His due season. The first rain, the latter rain, that thou mayest gather in thy corn and thy wine and thy oil. And I will send grass in thy fields for thy cattle, that thou mayest eat and be full. I can't remember the story, the movie. And it's a true story, I believe. And I wanted to play it here, but I think they're from New Zealand and, or Australia, and their, their accent is so hard to understand sometimes. Um, faith like potatoes. That's it. Who's seen that movie? Where this guy spends all his money, he believes in God, spends all his money on this plot of land or acres and plants potatoes. You know, potatoes are supposed to come up like lush and green, and underneath you'll have these bowling ball potatoes. And everything he had, and it was total brown. Brown like this basket and laying flat on the ground. Still kept believing God. And they never sprung up and they never got green. But when he dug it up, there was potatoes everywhere. Because God says, if you honor me, I'll honor you. Emelech runs the Moab. Typical American God supposed to be fearing Christian family. So now here we are ten years later in Moab. Ten years. It's supposed to be a temporary thing. Just so we get back on our feet. Just take that second job and maybe we can just miss uh, every other Sunday. We don't have to come all the time. We'll still keep coming. Things are hard now. We've got to try to raise some more money. Just temporary. I'll take that second job. 
I know I taught Bible school for you for a long time, or Sunday school a long time, but I, it's just we got to just make this move now. Things are tight. Ten years have passed. Remember, Ruth 1.5 says, Then Milan and Chilion are dead. How many parents make a wrong move at the wrong time? Just ask Adam and Jennifer. And they sacrifice their children. <gasps> what? Oh, I don't mean that they throw them in the fire, but they pull them out of church. They pull them out of the spiritual influence of the things of God, out of a youth ministry that's determined to get a hold of God. Ten years later, when they're 20, 18, 19, they're spiritually dead. They are. Because they go and mix with the world. And their flesh is overcome by the world now. Girls are as bad as guys, if not worse now. In broad daylight, this week, we had a car zip up the back of the driveway and turn around and stay in the back. It was about the time where one of us was going home. And so I texted, who's that? I don't know. And the person goes around the back, can't see nothing, decides to go back and check again. It's a guy in the back seat with a girl right here on God's property, right here in the church, just this week. And we're saying, hey, hey, what are you doing? Broad daylight, four in the afternoon, on this, God's property, by that red shed out in the back. No knowledge of God. Profanity on God's property. The definition of Melon, his word is, the definition of his name means sick. That's what happened to him. He went and mixed in with the world and became sick. His brother's name, Chiron, means pining or wasting away. A wasted away mixture in Moab. And that's what the church is doing. The church is called to be holy, righteous, live for God. We're sickly, anemic, and wasting away. That's what we're doing. We go to work. If you can hold a job for 40 years now, it's a miracle. You go to work. Hold a job for 40 years, you buy a dog, buy a house, get a wife, have two kids, read the newspaper, root for a team, retire and die. All the time, attending church. As if you don't have a call on your life to do something for God. And so the world is doing their thing, getting further and further and further from God. Hating the idea now of Christianity in our land. Hating the idea now. Okay, so now we go now to Ruth 1.20. Her husband's gone. He's dead. Her boys are dead. And she said unto them, Call me not pleasant and happy. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me fool anymore. Call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. That sound like the American church? God's done this. God did this to me. How could he? He's dealt bitterly. My boy died in a drunken stupor in a wreck out on the highway. Never dawning that you turned from God. Mixed you with the world. There was a time probably with your child around 7, 7.30, 8, 8.30 in the morning. Maybe you moved a little bit around in his bed on Sunday waiting for you to come in and wake him up for Sunday school or for church. Like you used to. 
And now we blame God. You did this, God. Here she goes. I went out full. Maybe she had a relationship with the Lord. I'm not saying she didn't. And the Lord has brought me home again empty. When they call you, when when they, why then call ye Naomi, saying, The Lord hath testified against me, and Almighty hath afflicted me. Now look, at one time the church was full. And I don't mean so much in people, but it was full with the presence of God. It was full with the holiness of God, with the respect of God, with the reverence of God. It was full with fiery preaching of God. And then we turned... And we went and mixed with the world and Moab. And God says, look at Hosea and Gomer. That's what you've become. And that's where we are. But here's what's going to happen. God is going to start bringing his people back. Just like he did Naomi. Because what happened? And Naomi, she heard what? There's a move of God again in Bethlehem. There's food again in Bethlehem. And she packed up her belongings and said, I'm going back home. I'm going home. The people who have left, they have not wanted to see or married Gomer or mixed with Moab. There's going to be some of them. God's going to give them all opportunity to come back. That's what's going on now out there. But what he's doing to us right now is he's breaking us and making us empty. Empty of ourselves. Empty of our abilities. Empty of our schemes and tricks and ideas and blueprints and a way to grow a church. Empty, totally broken, empty. That's what God's doing. To us. Bringing us to a point of no clue. I don't know what to do, God. All I know is my eyes are on you. Finally. Because all the distractions and all the foolishness and all the mixtures and all the joy of sin, God says it's going to bring you to a land of emptiness, nothingness. Barren, empty, broken. And a lot of them will come back blaming God. Oh, they might. Because they're going to have some big wounds and scars. But God is bringing you and I right now to a place of emptiness. Can you feel that? Can you sense that in your heart that that's where we're at? Like, God, what are we, we going to do? Lord, our government, our military, our marriage is being redefined. We don't say anything. We try to vote. Now we're finding our votes are being suppressed. They're being changed. They're being altered. Lord God, we can't depend on nothing. And God's going, it's right. He's bringing us to a point of being empty. Totally empty. Empty. Empty means without effect. What effect are we having on the world? Scandal after scandal after scandal after scandal in the church. Preacher running off with this person. Running off with that one. Stealing the money. Doing that. All kind of stuff. Faking healings. Faking this. Scandal after scandal, without effect, the world's looking at us and going, you're messed up more than we are. Okay, now listen. This great gathering of souls again that's going to take place. I don't know if it's going to be American-wide or just in places where they honor God. 
just in little pools, pockets of cities. I don't know. All I know is we've got to be one. We've got to be one of them. So this great gathering of people, and it's like John 2, 1. Jesus and his disciples and mother and all of them was invited to a wedding. And the third day there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus uh, was called and the disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, Oops, we ran out. No wine. What an embarrassment. What a fiasco. This would have been an absolute major social humiliation for this couple to fail in providing adequately for their guests. It would be a social disgrace. It was something they would remember. <laughs> Do you remember 20 years ago we was at that wedding? It'd be a social disgrace, constantly, never forgotten. Would have haunted the married couple forever. Additionally, wine, in the Jewish sense, was a symbol of joy. Therefore, to run out of wine was almost like a, a type of running out of joy and blessing and prosperity for this, this marriage. Isn't this wonderful marriage? Uh, there's no joy that these two have come together. Hope you make it. That's what this is a type of. How about this? You know, to you and I, to the believer, a wine is a symbol of the Holy Ghost. A symbol of the power and the moving of God and living holy. And then God's going to bring this great feast together and the church in her current state is going to be totally empty. Nothing to give them. No power. No anointed word. No anointed counsel. No strong word of God. No conviction of sin. Empty. Just like when the twin tires fell and the church is filled for two or three weeks, maybe a month, and then all went back out because we had no wine for them. No good word of God to heal their brokenness and their fear from what just happened. America on American soil, how did this happen? Preachers had nothing to say. No wine empty state. And this is what God is doing. He's bringing us to this empty state church. Total emptiness, depravity, realizing we can't do this without a real move of God. Not a fake, not a trumped up, a real move of God. And God's going to do it. In spite of us. He's going to do it. You understand, I'm laying out this gruesome picture because that's where you're living now. So if you're scratching your head even after today and after the last month, and I don't know what's going on, then you haven't been listening because we've been laying it out pretty plain and pretty simple. Okay, now listen to this part. Hebrews two, or Hosea 2.14 says this. God says, therefore, behold, I will allure her. Who? The church. God hasn't cast us out. He's going to allure her and bring her into the wilderness. That's where God's bringing us. Back into the desert. Hot by day, cold by night, barren. Nothing. Nothing to distract us. And God is going, come away with me, my love. Come on, my beloved. Come with me. 
And he's walking into the desert. He's going, come on, church. Come on. I have some comfortable things to say to you. I have some tender and kind things to speak into your life. But you've got to come away from all the distractions. And God leads us into a nothingness, into the desert, when you have nothing. And now all of a sudden you're going, God, is that you? Lord, to speak to us. Understand, all this cutting off of everything that's going on is because God loves us. He loves us, and he's saying, come away with me, my beloved. Quit giving the rest of your time to things that don't satisfy. Come with me. Come with me. He's been saying that for years. So we're not doing it, so he starts cutting them off. Cutting them off. Cutting them off. I can't wait for the big sports one to go. And I like sports. And I root for the Penguins. I do. But that is one of the biggest. Our nation bows down to that one. Super Bowl Sunday. Are you crazy having church that day? I know you don't like that, but so what? New Living Testament, a little different, same verse. Hosea 2.14 says, But then I will win her back once again. God is attempting to win us back by getting us away from Moab. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Get him away from Moab and back to your first love. Oh, yeah. Because we've given ourselves to the world. I do, I do. And God's making all that fall away. All your retirement, all this junk is starting to go. It's starting. The stock market, if you're in it, you better run. That's fake. It's phony. It's going to blow up. It is. New Living Testament says, But then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. God is not going to slap us around like some mean father. He's going to speak tenderly to us. He's going to lure you back out from under the arm of being married to the world. You're going to start, what? Who's calling? And the world's going to keep, you know, what? Okay, I, don't, I must be here. Oh, Lord, Lord, is that you? Leave me go. Lord, out into the desert. Seems like we've dried up in power. The power of God. Seems like it. The might. The glory, the majesty, the knee-shaking, thundering of God. Oh, it's all going to come back. And God's speaking tenderly to us. Come with me. Come with me. And you're going to quit that second job. And you're going to turn the TV off on Sunday night. And say, I'm going back. I'm going back. So we're heading back into the desert. That's where we're going as a church in America. We're being drawn by the Spirit of God back into the wilderness. And if you're still saying, but why? He says it right there. He wants to speak comfortable and tenderly to us. And to do that, you know, it's like me wanting to speak comfortable and tenderly sweet things to Ruth in our home while Luke and Isaac's there. Mimo, 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 Mimo. 
play this, let's play this, Mimo, let's go outside, Mimo, give me this, Mimo, I'm thirsty, Mimo. And I'm going, Ruthie. Mimo, Mimo, Mimo. And I'm going, Ruth. Is she going to, what am I going to do? Would you get these kids out of here? The distractions. I want to speak comfortably. That's what God's doing to us. This is what he's doing. And when everything's taken away, Bruce, we're going to start to listen. We're going to start to listen. You're going to start calling me and saying, are you kidding me? The church is not open. I'm going to say, this is Thursday. I don't care what it is. I hope that happens before I'm dead. And here's what God does. Back at the wedding, Jesus said unto them, Fill thy water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. Remember? No wine. Jesus said, fill those pots up with water. Those empty vessels that have nothing to offer. Fill them up again. And he said unto them, draw, not, draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast that they bear it. Take it to the head honcho and have him taste this. When the roar of the feast had tasted the water, don't let's miss this, that was made wine and knew not whence it was. That's what's going to happen to us. God's going to break forth. You're going to run up and say, Pastor, what's going on? I don't know. I don't know. Just, it just started happening. It just started. It wasn't anything we did. We didn't finally hit the right equation. It just started. It's not going to be of God. People, it's going to be of God. And that's exactly what he's running and saying, man, who brought this? This is awesome. He's going, I don't know where it came from. But the servants which drew the water knew. The governor of the feast called the bridegroom. Listen to what he says. And said unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then they bring out the junk. But he says, But thou hast kept the good wine until now. God is about to bring the best for last. That's what God's doing. You're the vessels. Having nothing to offer. Broken. Holes. Leaking out all the time. God's trying to speak to you. Take you to a tender place. Saying, make me important in your life. Stop just coming here. Get in your word. Into the desert. You'll do that. The best for last. Haggai 2.3 talks about this. Remember when the house of God was destroyed? He says, Who's left among you that saw this house in her first glory? How do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as nothing? Absolutely nothing? How, who saw this in her first glory? Man, when we were kicking for God and America was being shook by the power of God and revivals were going through our land. Finney was born out of this. Jonathan Edwards was born out of this. Uh, Billy Sunday, Billy Graham, all these people coming. He goes, How do you see it now? Well, not too good. And God says, I know. He says, For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations, and the desire of nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Listen, the glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former. 
God said there's coming a time where I'm going to unleash it. I'm going to let it go. But you have to stop your mixture. Get away from Moab. Tell them leave me alone. And get back to God. And it takes a desert experience to do that because we always want to run to the world and hang on to the government, hang on to our job, hang on to our retirement. And God is bringing all that down. So that you'll start for once. Listen, God, what? Come away. And you'll do it. So, when you see it getting worse and worse, you look at each other and say, this is God's plan. And we better start turning our love up for God more and more. This is it. Do you see this? This is supposed to bring you comfort. This is supposed to give you direction. You're supposed to go, oh, man, I'm getting it now. Is it true that our nation is messed up? I don't know if it, it can turn around. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that the church is nothing, insignificant? I mean, fibbing, lying, cheating, stuff. And God's bringing it all to naught, to nothing, because we've mixed ourselves. We've dummied down the gospel. People don't want to hear the word of God anymore. That doesn't mean we change it. We still speak the Word of God. Let's stand. Listen, I want you to know something this Memorial Day. The best is coming. The best is coming. I don't know if it's going to be in my lifetime. I don't know how much farther down we've got to go. I don't know how much more stench this body can be as far as the church. But that's in the hands of God. Our job is to pray, get a hold of God, and believe the Word of God and walk by faith. And if you're not ready for any of this, don't dismiss this service this morning. Don't. That's not going to. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. And I'm just praying, God, don't let me be swept up in the midst of the panic and the fear that's going to grip our nation. Lord, let me just simply stand upon the Word of God. And I'm not saying, God, make me bold, make me strong. I'm saying, God, do it through me. Be strong in me. Be bold in me. Because I don't like what I see. The best for last. We're going to open up our altars and give you some time to just confess to God. God, I don't know if I'm ready. And God will make you ready. He'll make you ready. Or pray this. People always say, oh, don't pray it. Pray it. God, do what you have to do. Do what you have to do. Why wouldn't you pray that? To someone who loves you and cares for you. Because you know what? The enemy is doing what he has to do. To kill, steal, and destroy. If you made a dumb move and you moved to Moab, come and talk to God. He'll set you free. You got some music. Open these altars. Come before you change your mind. If you don't have a relationship with God, just ask Him. Say, God, my relation with you is hit and miss. Sometimes I'm on, sometimes I'm off. Lord, please show me. Show me where I am mixed. Show me where my life is just not set right. He'll do it. If you have any idea how, ask the person beside you. Come and get help from God. Come and receive strength from God. Receive insight in the Word of God so you make great decisions for the children God has given you. Awesome decisions for those whose God has put in your charge. So that your children don't die sickly and pining away.
Keep making them decisions. Right decisions. If you don't trust God, just come down and tell him, saying, God, as awful as this might sound, I'm afraid of you. I don't trust you. Help me to trust you, Lord. Help me to walk by faith, not my intellect. Do it now before you change your mind. Whatever it takes. Must take this serious. You must. <laughs>